Hello, welcome to White Hat versus Black Hat SEO show. This is Josh Bashinsky. Uh, say uh, we're here with my regular co-host Chase Reiner. Say hello, Chase. Chase can't say hello. His computer just crashed. <laughs> as his as his text says, <laughs> this is funny. So we've been we've been waiting for for ten minutes uh, because Kyle is having uh, computer problems, and Chase was on here and we were talking about what we're going to talk about, and now now Chase is having computer problems. So in a few minutes I'll crash, and so Kyle, you can take over the show at that point. <laughs> you just no carry problem. On no problem at all. Jump back in. So <laughs> while we're waiting for my co-host Chase Reiner to get back onto his computer, Kyle, why don't you introduce yourself? Kyle's our special guest for today. Kyle, take it away. Sure. My name is Kyle Roof. Uh, I am the uh, lead tester of SIA, the SEO Intelligence Agency, and we're um, we run tests. We run what we try to run are uh, single variable tests on the Google algorithm, with the idea of trying to find um, a ranking factor. Or not, and the other thing we try to work on is more of a ranking factor than something else when we know. Two things are a factor, you know, and then that kind of gets into the ideas of testing best practices. The mission of what we're really trying to accomplish is um, uh, there's no reason in my mind to argue <laughs> about anything when really what you can do is kind of sit down and test it. Right, right. That's kind of the push so, of the whole thing. Yeah, so the cool thing that you're doing, I just want to make sure that everybody listening understands is that unlike most SEO tests, where it's like you make a change and then in the wild on, a, on an actual client site or a site you're trying to rank and, and something happens later on and you're like, oh, I guess the thing I did worked. <laughs> that's, that's a little too fuzzy for, for most people's tastes. That's usually called cause correlation fallacy. What you're doing is you're controlling the entire environment and doing, that's what you mean by, what you mean by single variable tests where you control every single variable and you're changing just one variable and, uh, and then so you can get a much better scientific idea of whether or not that one variable is actually a ranking factor or not. That's 100% right. So what we do primarily is we set environments in the algorithm that we control. So we will control all the test pages for a certain thing. Uh, and then we make those test pages as identical as we can within you know, the parameters of what the Internet allows. And then from there, yeah, we will change one thing on one page to see if it's a positive factor and negative factor or not a factor and, and then run multiple variations on those things to make sure that we're zeroing in on the right thing. Now this is a For lot as of work. much as we possibly can. It's a tremendous amount of work. Doing one little test uh, even a, in a little five is a tremendous amount of work because we're trying to refine what we're doing in the effort of eliminating as much as possible. You know usually we'll see a result and it'll look pretty good but in a discussion, it's like, well, you know what? I've been influenced by this. So then we rerun the test trying to control it as well and really just kind of run them and run them and run them until I feel pretty good about the results that we're getting. Right. Can you run us through one of your examples? Because I think uh, one of your tests you've done, because and, and go step by step how you tested it, because I think this will give people an idea of what proper or what very robust SEO testing is going to be as opposed to just kind of the anecdotal I made a change to my disavow file six months ago, and then my rankings changed, and I also made ten other changes. So maybe it must have been the disavow file. Like so, go through exactly the step by step is required to really do single variable testing. Oh, can you can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, sorry, it cut out for a second. I was like, oh no, now my phone's crashing. Um, 
It's going to sure. be it's that, that kind of day. I'm going to carry the show. Everyone's going to drop out. I'm going to carry the show at, at some point. And everyone can just join back in after that's perfectly fine. Sure. So um, say a recent test was looking at, uh, um, uh, okay, our, our bullet points. is putting a keyword in bullet points, a ranking factor. And so what we would do in that situation is we would have um, five pages. Uh, they would be um, completely identical. So we'd launch five pages and we would hone them in on a fake keyword. And that's how we are able to control environments is we find words that are not currently in Google's algorithm. So then when you optimize for uh, that keyword, the only pages that show up in the search are the ones that you have. Nobody else is getting in there. And that's when like somebody talks about, oh, I changed my one thing six months ago. Well, you know, there are all those other pages in the SERPs that are doing things that are existing that might be changing things or that Google's just recrawling at different rates right. and seeing seeing new things. And that's where there you've got millions of variables going on. What right. we have is we – Right. So we know, okay, we launched these five pages all within minutes of each other. We submitted them uh, to the index at the same time, and we have um, uh, done them identically. You know, that we have uh, – the same optimization amount or what you've done on each page is, is identical. So the keyword density, for example, just might be 2% as a across the board kind of number. We'll have an H1 and it's the exact same thing. Right. The only thing that we have to do differently is the URL, of course, because you can't have identical URLs, otherwise that's the same page. Now, so what we do, do you use alphanumeric gibberish or is it like lorem ipsum kind of text or what do you use? More like lorem ipsum text is what, what I use. Um, the fake keyword, what we do, and again, to control for the variable of URLs, is we'll put the fake keyword closest to the .com, and then behind it, we'll dash out words, usually two words, and we'll keep them the same number of letters. So it'll be fake keyword dash five letters, dash five letters, and we'll have five pages of that. So those five pages all have a unique URL, but in terms of what could be a ranking factor, they're the same length, the same number of words, and the target keyword is closest to the .com. So it remains, as, it remains as identical as possible. The other thing that we found too, and this was a recent, well, maybe a six month ago kind of change in the algorithm, is that the meta description actually needs to be different as well. So what we use there is, excuse me, meta title. So what we use is the same URL gibberish that we're using. We use that as our meta title. So it's consistent across the board and as consistent as can be. Right, because the title still is a ranking factor. That's correct. Well, it's still the number one ranking factor. Yes. Um, I can tell you that for certain. And that's one of the things that, we, that, that we've tested. And I'll revisit that test every once in a while to see what are the most important on-page on ranking factors. And the top four factors have been pretty consistent for the last two years. And what would you say they are the top four? Uh, in the meta title, in the H1, in the URL, and in body content. Those are the top four. Sure. So, I mean, it has been the same. That's since SEO began, really. Yeah, for sure. And I've been testing pretty solidly for about three years, and then I've been running this particular test for two, just to really hone in on those kind of things, and that's, they win every time. Fantastic. I'll just pa pause there a second. Chase finally jumped in. He kicked out the uh, lady he met last night at the bar out of his out of his bedroom there and said, get out, gave her her clothes, and she walked out. Is that something like that, Chase, or is it something else? That's exactly what happened. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, right as the, right as Kyle jumped in and you guys went live, Literally at that second, the my computer went and blue screened on me. <laughs> Are you using Windows? Yes. Well, that's the reason why. Well. No, no, no. If you're a Windows user, that means you're back end. So <laughs> if, 
if you're using Mac, that tells everybody, that tells the world that you're just a front end developer. <laughs> That's right. I'm I'm all about the front end. Yeah. Actually, you know, I'm 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 fairly partial to the back end myself. I don't know, and I don't know what we're talking about here. What kind of what metaphor? What metaphor are we using here? Okay. So anyway, so Kyle was just telling us about his uh, SEO experiments he does, which are fantastic. And so we're going to get back to that in a little bit in a second. He's going to tell us about some experiments he's run, and I'll leave it up to Kyle if he wants to give us a white hat experiment because this is white hat versus black hat, where we have kind of a faux debate as to which is. So, uh, Kyle, I'll leave it to yourself if you want to give us what you think is a white hat experiment or a black hat experiment. For the people listening on the podcast, I'm, I'm doing giant scare quotes when I say white hat and black hat. Everyone in the sure. video, like, yeah, I, sound like, I look like Richard Nixon with my two fingers up here. You know, um, so even we Canadians know about your American stuff. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. moving right well, along. When you look at like what is considered white hat and black hat, I think almost everybody would say anything that you do on page is white hat, right? I mean, any of the content that you create is probably a white hat sort of thing, and any link manipulation would be black hat, just as a general rule. Do you think that's fair? Well, that's a good question, so we can get right into it. So, yeah, so the, the argument is that anything you do on, on page is white hat, and anything, any kind of link manipulation is black hat. Uh, I would disagree with that because you could do a lot of things on page, like for instance, keyword stuffing, and you could mm. manipulate a lot of the uh, different um, uh, social signals being sent from your from your website with the OG data, and basically. But if, you're just, if you're just looking at content, content creation, would you, you say you, would, you wouldn't say keyword stuffing would be like some sort of black hat manipulation to the on page? Well, no, I'm saying if you're just looking, say you're not doing that, but say you're just. Um, trying to write better content, if you will, but trying to do it in a way that Google will like more. Is right. that Black Hat? Like the four spots you mentioned, putting the keyword in the title, the URL, yeah. the H1, and the yeah. main body of the content. And this isn't an, an accusatory sta statement, just more of a, what do you think? Like, is that in the ballpark of White Hat? It, well, or it could that, be either. It could be accusatory. Yeah. You, can, you can accuse us. You can accuse <laughs> Chase. accuse Chase of many things. I'm accusing myself. Um, yeah, but what do you <laughs> think, though? Like, question, if, if, if you're just... I yeah, think it all on the definition of what you call black hat, and we, we, we come back to this pretty much every show, right? So functionally, uh, that might be a de facto definition of what white hat versus black hat is, but I don't think it's the de jure definition of what white hat versus black hat is. For the de jure definition, the, the principle uh, of the thing, you'd have to look at uh, the webmaster guidelines and, and I think go back to what Chase said, is look at what Google tells you not to do, which is pretty funny now, because half of the algorithm, in my opinion anyway, I'm a very big believer in all the future algorithms that Google is doing, and like Rank Brain, the artificial intelligence, watching the clicks, computing a quality score, maybe using bookmarks as a, a factor. That's another test that we've been talking about. Uh, you know, uh, favorites in IE, if you will. We talk about things like that being factors. And so if what Google talks about in the Webmaster Guidelines is what is, and say, they say not to do, if that's what makes it black hat, half of the things that I think are ranking factors are neither white hat or black hat because Google will never mention them anywhere. Yeah. When you read the, actually, here's a better question. How many people in SEO do you think have actually read the Google Webmaster Guidelines? I'm going to guess. I'd say 2%. Under, uh, yeah, I was going to say 5%. Um, the thing that's funny when you read it, because it says anything that falls into a murky area is anything done to trick the algorithm. Yes. And they define that underneath as, um, like the, the the rule to use is 
uh, would you be able to explain this to a competitor in your niche or to a Google employee if you were talking to them? Yes. Um, and so uh, we know that um, Twitter cards, or not Twitter cards, uh, Open Graph, OG, yeah. um, the, is the crawled. Original, the original graph. Right, is, is crawled and is used as I'm a ranking a funny factor. kind of white, white man try to be rapper. It's good. It's good. <laughs> um, no, it's really bad, actually. <laughs> but it's good because it's bad, because it's supposed to be bad because I'm white or, or something. Anyway, keep going. So open graph as a ranking factor. Um, and I know specifically that you want to use uh, the, the description, OG description. Yes. Well, most of the things out of the box don't, you don't use description. A lot of the plugins that you might grab to do that are just going to give you like the title and the logo. Uh, and maybe a couple other things, but they'll, they might leave that description thing, or you might have to do something to, in a, to populate the description because it's going to want to know what information you want to put in there. So I know it's a ranking factor, and then let's say I, I make sure that, um, say, grabs my meta description, and my meta description is, is uh, kind of salesy, but it also contains a target keyword. And I'm doing that intentionally because I know that that's a ranking factor. Have I tricked the algorithm? Is that a trick? Exactly. I mean, that's, that's the key, right? So... You could, you could argue that any SEO is black hat, and many people have argued that any SEO is black hat, because at the end of the day, we don't give a flying fuck if Google can find our content any easier or can parse it any better or can rank it any easier, right? But let, at the let, end of the day, you disagree, Chase? I was just going to ask Kyle, like, well, what if you took the OG data and you changed it like 50 times and kept sharing that different OG data across like multiple social networks? What would that be considered? You mean you're like posting it to a lot of different places, so you're getting that link coming in, that link signal? I'm just talking about on, pay, on page OG, in general. The whole point of OG data is so that you can be shareable across social media networks. So Right, right. But um, let's say I have no social profiles, but I've put in OG data because I know it's crawled. Well, it doesn't have to do with your social profiles. Anybody can share it. Right, but I'm saying the only reason that I might do that is because I have the intention of syndicating my content and I want to make sure it looks nice in those places that read it and it's displayed in the way that I want it. That's why you would set it up, right, right. OG? Let's say I have no social profile. You know, then I know that I'm only doing it simply because it's a crawled thing. It's a weird thing that you have to like look at some sort of motivation to an attempt to determine if something is within the bounds of, of uh, their guidelines or not. You know what I mean? Like, what if I was accidentally doing something? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I guess I'm not really sure what we're debating right now. Are we debating? Because I keep, I, I'm, I'm hearing that what we're saying is that there's no way to do black hat on page anymore. No, no, no. I don't, I don't think that at all. Uh, what I'm thinking is that um, according to the webmaster guidelines, anything that's done to trick Google, uh, or which I would read as a, a algorithm manipulation, falls into a black hat thing, which is really even if you're doing on-page stuff, you're probably falling into that. Yeah. And I'm saying that if you read the webmaster guidelines strictly, then every SEO is trying to trick Google because we're all trying to rank websites. That's why we do SEO. That's why we're paid to do SEO. That's why we do SEO on our own sites. Unless you're doing an experiment like Kyle is doing, but then Kyle is only doing experiments on fake SERPs of, of gibberish text <laughs> that nobody right. but him and his, his SIA group, uh, his, his search intelligence agency, is, is looking at just to try to learn so that we can game Google more, right? So technically exactly. all SEO is black at at that point. Because it's not necessarily writing your content any better. You know, at the end of the day, your content could be exactly the same, but you restyle it 
in a way that might be more algorithm friendly. You know, you haven't changed yeah. any of the value of your content. Exactly. You restructured Couldn't it. This? Couldn't we say until Google's algorithm, until their AI is as intelligent as a human being and is essentially a person, so that you're writing content for a person, for persons, that's the only time when white hat and black hat SEO are going to disappear. Because at the end of the day, we're still trying to make content for an intelligence that is Google, which is trying to approximate what we think, but yet does not know it at all what we think and is not anywhere near a, a sentient being by any stretch of the imagination. And something I've been wondering about recently, and this is getting far afield, but you know, what is good writing? Uh, it often follows a, a Roman numeral outline. The idea of your Roman numeral one is your page title or your meta title, or it's your H1, if you will, and then you've got your A's and B's, and those are all your H2s, and then you've got your 1, 2s, and 3s under that, and those are all your H3s or your bullet points. And we know all those are ranking factors, and that's Western writing, and that's where that comes from. Yes. So the idea that it's easier for human beings to read something that's structured like that, and so the algorithm has been done to mimic what is an easier way for human beings to read. But that's from a Western perspective. I wonder how the algorithm works in Japan, where they don't write in Roman numeral outlines, you know, or the same kind of um, pattern. Or right. even, in, even in South America, they write in different patterns. Yeah, aside from, yeah, exactly. So I wonder if the algorithm is an implant of, of Western thought, or if they're kind of doing any... It, invariably. Hmm. It's, it's, it's written primarily by, by Western... Western programmers, right? And Google is a company of the West. It's, mm -hmm. it's located in Silicon Valley for crying out loud. It definitely has a very set politics. They definitely have a very set worldview. For example, with the new election, they were very heavily in, they had been very heavily in, in Obama's camp and they have been very heavily in Hillary's camp. And when Trump won and Hillary lost, they had to do a big, huge pivot and they had no inroads whatsoever into the Trump administration and they literally had job postings in Washington for a conservative outreach manager. Like they don't even have a, a tie in there anymore. They, they need someone to do outreach for them. And now they've, sure. of course they've worked their way in there now, but, but it was an interesting political snafu for Google. Because I've, I've been thinking, so I also practice SEO and I was thinking about in, in my firm, um, getting somebody that could speak Mandarin and then branching out into China because right. I was thinking that, um, that they probably have the pages structured similarly for the algorithm purposes, but that um, people who are native Mandarin speakers aren't going to structure their pages that way. And then we could kind of come in. You're going to do some SEO for Baidu? Yeah, well, Baidu, I don't know how that might work, but, or just how about just doing it for, um, you know, Korea or Japan or some other country that doesn't speak English, isn't Western, but is using Google primarily. But it's still using Google, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is interesting. So um, uh, I see a bunch of people are chatting there in the live chat. If you guys have any questions you want to ask us, by all means, go ahead. Um, uh, but let's move to another segment. So let's move over to um, what's new in White Hat and what's new in Black Hat. Now, I'll go first, and I'll take the White Hat component. So John Mueller had a hangout recently, and John Mueller is still talking about the Mobile First Index, and he's still talking about uh, user experience. And so this is part of the reason why I'm, I'm so up on user experience and user clicks and where they're collecting it. Because because whenever John Mueller from Google, he's a webmaster trends analyst at Google in the Zurich office, for those listeners who don't know, whenever anyone asks John Mueller a question about quality or about Panda or about uh, what the biggest thing they need to worry about in SEO or what the biggest thing they need to worry about 
uh, for ranking, he always comes back and, 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 and talks about user satisfaction. And, and are your users satisfied? Whatever kind of website you're making, whatever kind of uh, pages you, you're, you're, you're drafting up, whether you're in the tight end of the sales funnel selling stuff or you're in the top end of the sales funnel where you're just informing people, you're running a blog or you're running an e-commerce site, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. The only thing he says matters is whether or not the user has been satisfied. If they look for uh, information about red sprockets, you have the best page about red sprockets, which is so good that out of the kindness of their hearts, they're going to want to share and, and like and comment on that page, being the good internet citizen that everybody is. And then they're going to share it with their friends, and maybe they'll email it to some people. Maybe they'll, they'll tweet about it. And these are the kind of signals that, that he, he, he implies that Google is looking at. Now, um, I don't know, maybe you guys might disagree. Uh, Kyle, you seem to be a much more practical or I don't think it's a ranking factor until I can test it kind of guy. But uh, that seems to be what's new in White Hat. And I find it interesting when I talk with other White Hats because half of them think this is still an on-page thing that you can detect. Like there is a qualitative contextual difference between a good page and a bad page. And I'm just wondering what could that possibly be? You know, you know, like how could you right. possibly write an algorithm to detect as to whether or not this is a good page based just on reading the text? I don't think that's possible. Not for all the multifarious kind of sites that are out there. That's why another reason I make an educated guess is that it has to be user clicks, because what else could you possibly use to tell you if this the search was successful? Well, I'd like to comment on that. I mean, one, we know links are big. We also know that your permalink structure in your site is big. So how does your site link to these pages so that you can have Google better understand what these pages are actually about? Of course, like you said, Josh, user intent, user experience is huge. And it's, it's becoming bigger and bigger. Um, but there's other things that are, you can start doing uh, these days that can really help. Um, and it seems like Google's really starting to push this stuff. Uh, schema markup starting to become more and more important. And I think it will be uh, very important in, in the very new, near future. Um, also, Google seems to be pushing AMP like crazy right now. So I know in the past uh, discussions, we were like, should you do AMP? Should you not do AMP? I'm saying go AMP like as soon as you can now. And there might be people who disagree with me, but that's fine. I, from what I've been seeing, AMP is becoming very, very important, um, at least from what Google's pushing. Um, and they're also starting to show even like local businesses through AMP right now on the organic search. So why not go for that? Because you're going to get a huge... Um, improvement in your uh, user engagement. You're going to be getting an improvement on your clicks through mobile. And then also, if they continue to push that mobile first index, and they're probably pushing that more specifically for AMP, you're going to also be able to get instant load times, which is going to be a huge ranking factor for that mobile first index. So that's interesting. So, so that, that the interesting thing is, is, I would agree with some of that. You know, a lot of that is good for hypotheses. And I was gonna, I was gonna say that, but but all of the information I'm getting from John Mueller and all the anecdotal information we get from looking at the the search engine results pages, it technically speaking, um, really only gives us a, a hypothesis as to what could be going on. Now, Kyle, I'll segue over to Kyle now. Kyle, of course, is doing tests as to actually what is going on and what is not to the degree that it's possible. So Kyle, what kind of SEO tests have you done uh, either in general or about the things we've been talking about that you might disagree with us? You might say that, that SEO is, is a different, uh, a, you have a different picture of SEO right now. Is this true or not? Well, when you're, when you're talking about like user engagement metrics, 
ranking factor? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, bounce rate for sure is. Um, is, is, is will, bounce rate will move the needle. Yeah, uh, and how have you tested this? Well, by what we've done is uh, um, clicks two pages, so you have the same number of clicks going in, and then uh, a page will get an extra click. You know, the idea is that or an action that will trigger um, the bounce rate to drop. Right. Those, those sorts of things. And so running those types of tests, we've seen that the bounce rate, a lower bounce rate, will, will move the needle. Yeah. And so let's be clear. It's not, it's not actually bounce rate is the ranking factor. It's that the, the website that terminates the search more gets, the, gets a boost. Would you say that bounce rate's more of a rank, uh, low bounce rate's a better ranking factor or high click-throughs? See, that I don't know because it's hard to, to quantify what is one thing and what is another really in terms of what Google might be counting well, as. I, I took a page from your book, Kyle, a few years ago. And we did some testing uh, even before the, the, you know, all the, a lot of like crowdsearch.me and, and kind of services have popped up that claim to uh, game this, this algorithm for you. And, um, and I tested it even before that. Uh, uh, this is like three, four years ago now. And what we found is that you can't negative SEO someone by increasing their bounce rate. But what you can do yeah. is you can positive SEO someone by making them have more clicks on the SERP that terminate and don't go back. Sure. So it's the one who the one who satisfies the search best is the one that that they they land on and they don't go back and they just close the tab or they do a different search entirely. They get a positive boost. Their quality score is better, and this ties directly to the 2012 uh, Panda patent that Google put through and was awarded the patent that talks about the quality score as judged by a search and what the searcher does coming from the SERP from intro index page to uh, page one, to page two, to, to conversion, and basing a, a quality score. Literally, that's what they called it on the organic side, the quality score. And that would be like a number between one and 10, just like page rank uh, they talked about in the patent. And so that's how they calculate your quality score. And so it's relative, right? You could have a quality score of five out of 10, and your competitors could have three out of 10. Then compared with your page rank, that could be how they're ranked. And then your semantic, your on-page semantic, that could be how mm -hmm. they're ranking you these days. What do you think about that? Kyle? Sure. I like that a lot. I, I, I would say that that's probably right on. Um, the problem is testing the, it. Right. The thing that I'm liking, the, when you think about bounce rates, um, just to say just the, the basic definition of somebody's come to a page and then they leave, and they have bounced. Um, the quandary that you always have there is like, well, what if they um, got everything that they needed out of that page and they didn't need to go farther on? And so what you're suggesting is that if they close the search, they don't search again. That's an indicator uh, or a signal that they have completed the search, they got the information they needed, and, and that was um, uh, satisfactory. I'm not right. entirely sure that that kind of goes exactly with human nature. And then I can see that you, you do a search and you click on something and you read it and then you might click on something else and maybe it's just to confirm. But something that I know that you've talked about before is the return rate somebody coming back to a page. Um, that, to me, almost might be a clear signal where uh, you've looked at a page, and even if you've bounced in a true sense where you've not clicked through yes. and then you left, but then you come back to the page, that, to me, almost might be a, a clear signal in what you're talking about of, right. of, of what might be the completed search or the, the satisfactory search when there right. haven't been any click-throughs. So I wonder if that's how they might be doing it. Because, you know, analytics can see that. 
Yes. Yeah. And I've and always John thought Miller mentions it every single time, every single time I'm, someone asks yeah. him what he, what they should be worried about. He says, Oh, I don't know. Time on page. How many returning users you have? He says that every single time. That makes sense to me. I mean, it's, it's something that I have not personally tested, but when you're looking at how can you really see somebody's intent or if they've gotten the right experience, even if they've bounced, yeah, you know, even a site that's informational that has a bounce rate of 80%, or whatever, ninety percent, which might yeah, not that could be, be fine, right? That and maybe they maybe they can see that just in returning visitors into that page or into another page in the site at a later right. date or like within a window because yeah, the I mean, site was be relevant. Fine. I mean, I do SEO audits for a living. That's what I do, and I have I have hundreds of people who come to me, and their bounce rate is in the in the nineties. Their bounce back to SERP rate, their bounce back to Google rate is in the nineties, which is actually very hard to to actually determine. Not very hard. It's it's harder to determine. It's not just the bounce rate you see in analytics. You've got to look at the drop off rate, actually, mm -hmm. the drop off rate or the exit rate. Sure. And uh, and in the flow of where they are. Sure. And um. And, and I see a very high drop off rate all the time, but it doesn't mean that they didn't satisfy the search, and it mm -hmm. doesn't mean it is also a black mark against them. It's you need to get the win. You need to be the, the page that that satisfies them. And so in that in that scenario where I agree with you totally, in that scenario when when you're you're searching for information, you go to one blog, you go, mm, you go back, you go to another blog, mm, you go back, you go to another blog. The final blog you 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 land on is the one that's gonna win. Or it could be possible that Google would say that signal was too noisy, we're not gonna use that one. They're only gonna use clear wins when they can sure. clearly determine that it was a win then that will go towards your quality score. Mm -hmm. And so the better you can satisfy people, the, the, and that's why I think John Mueller talks about, he just says, you don't just have to be a little bit better than everybody else, you have to be head and shoulders better than everybody else. Sure, sure. Okay, good. <laughs> what other experience, and what other kind of stuff have you been doing uh, in, your, in your, your crafty little intelligence group there? Um, something that was fun that was, I think, would be considered uber black hat. Uh, the big thing that, like we, that I really like doing is finding things that aren't ranking factors, or finding things that uh, SEOs are doing, but it's probably a waste of time. Right. And the reason there is that a lot of people in the group are practicing SEOs, but uh, other people, you know, are the type of people that have four or five sites, or they have businesses that they're running. And when you think about it, in all those scenarios, um, nobody has unlimited money and unlimited time. And so you need to make decisions that uh, will maximize the output that you can that you can generate. And so I like kind of finding things that might just simply might not be factors. But one that was passed around and it was a super old school black hat concept was um, .gov links, where you uh, there's a hack that you can do on a bunch of old .gov sites where you can um, you know the when you click on something and you get that page that says you're leaving this website in five four three two one yeah. a redirect page you can create that redirect page um, on these sites simply by creating that URL structure. <laughs> so right. you can, so like on the weather service, there, you know, weather.gov or whatever that is, or NOAA.gov, you can create those refresh pages and put in um, any, any page that you'd like to, um, to put in. Okay. And then, the, and then what happens is, is that uh, when you've got those URLs created, um, you can put them places and crawl them. And then the idea is that, uh, you've created all these .gov backlinks to your site. Um, and what was the result? It didn't, it, Surely, you, you were ranking Viagra all over the place. <laughs> Unfortunately, it didn't move the needle at all, and <laughs> I, was, I was crushed. But what was interesting is that they, um, Majestic picked them up and Moz picked them up. 
like uh, after a while, Majestic picked them up quickly, but and Moz is a slower crawler, but yeah. they can they can see them as links pointing into the test pages. Uh, interestingly, Moz gave them CF and zero TF, which is pretty interesting. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, so just for people who don't use uh, Majestic, can you explain the CF and TF? Sure. The idea is that CF is the cumulative value of your links on a scale of zero to one hundred. Right. Looking at all your links. Flow looking at all your links and kind of adding them up as to what their value might be. Trust flow is kind of like six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's how closely your uh, site is linked to the most trusted sites. And it right. gives you also a, a numeric value. It's almost like, um, I think Majestic is saying, okay, let's say your, your CF is 25 and your TF is 20. It's saying we can vouch for 20 of that 25. It's kind of what they're saying. Right. I think is a, maybe the right way to look at it. So it's like your site's probably got a value of this, but we can really account for this much. It's kind right. of how that's, it goes. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Majestic could see the links and it counted them as having value, but was not counting them as trusted links, even though they were coming from .govs, which if that tells me Majestic has figured this trick out. <laughs> and if they figured it out, <laughs> yeah. Google's figured it out. Um, yeah. Which is well, that was, that, you know, back in 2002, <laughs> that was a big ranking factor, is get, get links from .edu.gov, yeah. And here's how you can do it. Yeah, um, exactly. Get 50 uh, in minutes. So what was fun is, like, it was fun to do because... traffic through that might be interesting. Well, then we, well, we haven't done any traffic through, but then we blasted it through with links. So first we just did, okay, these are the URLs themselves. And um, to make sure that, you know, they would all be seen and, and then we'd have some variants, we did five of them. And I felt that that was a pretty fair number. And they were from real .gov sites, like .gov sites that you know. Didn't move the needle. So then we just blasted them all with links. So now we're pushing tons of juice through all five of them. And um, still no dice. What was interesting is three of them were follow links. Two were no follow, which was also pretty funny um, as they came through. But uh, we could not get any movement uh, with, with that technique. And so it was fun because it was a kind of an old school black hat idea, but a lot of people are still circulating it as something you can do. And, um, and then obviously those things take a little bit of time because you have to find the list and you have to go create them and uh, put it all together. And then you might be setting up IFTTT stuff or blasting, yes. blasting links or setting IFTTT. up GSA. You know, you, you'd be setting up a whole bunch of things and it costs you several hundred dollars at the end of the day and it costs you a few days worth of work. And um, we're seeing that it wasn't moving in the end. So something to avoid. Yeah. So for for people listening, um, so if uh, IFTTT stands for if then if this then that, it's a website that allows you to, to set up. I will call them like like uh, uh, like macros. Like, I, I'm an old WordPress, uh, an old WordPerfect guy. Like macros, so you can set up macros to like you know if I post on my Twitter, repost this on my Google. That's a really simple kind of one. But but that's uh, exactly what they're I, doing. I yeah. This years ago, but I imagine it's getting much much more complex now at this point. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can set up all kinds of webs of of um, content syndication. So you post here and it goes to those 50 sites and you post here and it goes to those 20. And Yeah, if this then that does the auto posting for you. Once you trigger then, it, it's like Domino's yeah. and it does a bunch of stuff. Exactly, so it instantly creates links for you through syndicated content. Right, right, right. I wanna go back to something you were talking about, about Majestic and Moz. First off, I wanna ask this question for our listeners. There's about 50, 30 to 50 people listening right now. Um, how many of you people use Majestic versus Moz? And anyone who's listening to this podcast later on, go ahead and tweet us what you guys use. If you use Majestic or Moz. I don't hear a lot of people in, in North America 
talking about Majestic anymore. Majestic used to be the big one that everyone used, but now I just hear people talking about Moz, 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 Moz. What, what do you guys think about that? Me personally? Both of you guys. Uh, Chase, <laughs> Chase what, what do you think about that? Which one do you I use? I use Moz for Open Site Explorer, but I had a comment on the if this then that if you guys want to hear about it. Let's hear about it. Um, so with the if this then that, I actually did some experimentation with some of the uh, main black hat things that people are doing right now. And what that is is you have somebody go in, uh, whether it be a virtual assistant or um, anybody who's knowledgeable on if this and that, and what they do is they create these different tiers for Web 2.0 properties. And we actually talked about this last week, but I, I didn't actually set it up, but I wanted to see how it would work. Um, pretty interesting, though, because what happens is you, you publish something to your website, and then you get uh, your, your list or your, your uh, 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 post distributed like in 25 different channels on like three different accounts. Um, so that's kind of one of those things that everybody's trying to do right now, which is pretty interesting in the black hat world. Uh, and, and I've actually found that that is just like something that might help for the social signals. But in the long run, I think that's something also Google's going to pick up on and start uh, kind of looking at the same way they look at um, like PBNs. Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, it stands to reason that any any tactic that we use, that we exploit, that, that Google's left open, that we talk about in the open, they're eventually going to hear about and eventually going to close. Yeah, for sure. Uh, have you been bitten <laughs> by that, Kyle? Uh, no, I don't do any black hat <laughs> in my own practice. Right. At least, at least nothing I consider black hat. Right. Uh, or very yeah. mild kind of stuff. Yeah. The... Um, I think the bottom line is if it looks like it might be real, that's what you should be doing, and that's probably a little bit more expensive and a little more time-consuming. That's the best way to go. Probably. So like with a, with a PBN, what you're trying to do is emulate a real site. Why not go make a relationship with a real site and do some guest posting? Yeah. You know, that would be a significantly better way <laughs> to get, do it. It's going to cost less money. And get actual visitors going to your site because it's an actual site of value that... Exactly. You know, the um the time and money and effort is nearly the same <laughs> in creating a real quality PBN, not just a uh, a craptastic one that you picked up, but one that you go on auction and has the right metrics and the right TTF, the topical trust flow, or you know whatever you like to key in on, and uh, then you put real content on it and you love it and you nurture it and it has a Facebook account and you get all these Facebook likes. That's that's. Months of work, tons of money. Why not just go make a real relationship? So here's my question too. Like when you actually do get all these PBNs pointing to you and you start ranking, but the only reason you're ranking is because most of your ranking signals are coming from links. And then everybody starts going to your site and Google continues to turn up the volume on on-page content, user experience, user intent. And eventually these PBNs aren't working anymore. Also because of the Penguin 4.0 update just starts just hammering down on these PBNs. I mean, what do these people do? They just end up having to learn actual white hat SEO or try to learn more black hat SEO, keep wasting time for like, I don't know, maybe a five-day benefit. It's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. And I just see these people doing black hat. I mean, if you want to do black hat right now, start doing black hat social media because those are the search engines you can do black hat stuff on and you're going to be able to get away with a lot of stuff. And I'm talking about like automation. I'm talking about like the if this, then that stuff where you're just going to be syndicating content like everywhere. 
But if you if you want to start doing it on Google, like or get, trying to like game the organic search results by not creating high quality content, not creating good user experience, and just only doing links, and you're not learning anything about on page, you're gonna have and it's this is like a meme. You're gonna have a bad time. I don't know if you guys seen that South Park meme. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well. Given that this is white hat versus black hat, and seeing that you guys seem to be fairly white hat, I will take the mantle of the black hat side, and I will just, you know, for shits and giggles, counter argue. Um, you guys are all wrong, <laughs> uh, and this is why, because yes, it it it, it I agreed. Both doing SEO properly, whether white hat or black hat, is a full time job. It's not easy. It's not simple. You can't just do it four hours a day if you want to make any serious money or or take on serious clients. It's a full-time job, and Google and, and every uh, network and search engine out there is making it more and more difficult for us as we go. But the blackout way can be automated more easily. The blackout way, uh, you can monetize more easily. For example, once I make my private blog network, and yeah, it takes a long time to have my own blog set up, and I do have to worry about the TTF, the top of trust flow, and make sure all the age domains I purchase, one, weren't penalized by Google, and that's why they died. So that's hard to determine. Two, I also have to make sure that they're on the topic that I need them to be on because the best quality links come from the index page of the same topic you want to rank for. So for example, if you want to look for what links you want, you want to do a search, say you want to rank for red apples, you have to do a search for red apples and see the top 100 that comes up for that. And those are the people that need to be linking to you for the best quality link. After I've done all that and I've built up my private blog networks and I've made it look all natural enough, I have complete control of that. I can sell links on these private blog networks. I can advertise on them to monetize the private blog networks. And I can control the links on these private blog networks so that if I need to change my, my uh, anchor text ratio or I need to change my, my linking ratio or what pages are being linked to, if I want to push a new product or whatnot, I can do this all programmatically in a switch, uh, just a flick of a switch. I can change all my anchor text. I can change all my all my variables. So clearly, Black Hat is better. You guys suck. I can I, I can make a better or not a better. I can add to that argument in okay. that um, <laughs> you know, let's say you are doing everything that is white hat, and Google changes things and is now penalizing you for something that was completely in bounds. Yes. If you and if that you does own, that does it, happen. it happens a lot. If you own the network, you can go in and actually make it correct, and so that you have insulated your sites, you've protected yourself. If you are doing things the right way, and Google changes, and you don't have any control over those links, you might have just ended your SEO career. Yes. And, yes. and 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 not only that, but started out doing things that everybody else has been working on for years, learning like how to actually do legit schema markup, learning how to do the things that actually matter. Um, and Google's going to start picking these things up as actual like huge ranking signals, and you're not going to know anything about them because you spend all your time trying to do PBNs. You know them more because you figured out a game. Sorry, you broke up right. there, Kyle. Uh oh, we lost Kyle. Google, Google has attacked Kyle. Kyle is getting a denial the of black hats, The Google black hats right are now. silencing Kyle. <laughs> I don't know if you're still there, Kyle. Okay, so I'm going to move on now. Now we're going to move to uh, our random topic section. The random topic for today is dinosaurs. Wow. What do you think about dinosaurs? They're totally prehistoric. Okay, good. <laughs> Way out of date topic. <laughs> oh, I might be back. I might be back. Can you hear me? 
Yes, you're back. Yeah, you, yes, you, you broke out there for a second. What, what, what were you saying there? What was the what was those? Uh, what I was saying at the end was, uh, I think if you figured out how to game it, you might know it better than anybody that's doing a white hat. You know, the idea is that you fi actually figured out what moved, what, what has moved the needle, and that's how you're exploiting. Uh, so you would under signals better. Yeah. Than anybody that's white. You know, that's 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 the the counter. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that. Um, uh, Chase, did you have a, something you want to say about that? I was just going to say I agree to that point, like where if you were to actually be learning black hat and white hat together, like for instance, we were just talking about schema markup. If you were to learn like, okay, it'd be pretty black hat if I just started marketing up all of my pages with product markup and started getting aggregate rating to improve my click-throughs, which we know are a big ranking factor. But at the same time, I'm learning schema. And if we're doing this on a test site, then it's not that big of a deal if we lose those rankings or Google penalizes us because we still have our other main sites. That's one way to do like black hat. But it, I think in terms of anything long-term, unless you're like, like amazing at Black Hat, and you're gonna go into something like trying to sell 100, pro like you know, 100,000 products like in under a month, and you just know that that's gonna be your only run for that. Then I would say go ahead and do that. But most people don't really know Black Hat, and they think they're really good at Black Hat, and they were like, oh look how cool I am, I'm gonna start doing all this stuff, and then they end up losing like everything, like all of the people. I'm not gonna name the exact group, but there's a group out there that people are selling right now where they're only teaching PBNs for SEO, and there's. Like thousands of people are spending learning how to do PBNs, and mm -hmm. what's going to happen when Google literally is so smart that you can't do any PBNs anymore because yeah. you know that's where Google's going. Google's AI is going to be teacher. I can has. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I I think I agree, and so this is this is the issue. I, I hear your pain because I, I deal with that pain on a daily basis of people emailing me and saying, "Should I just do PBNs? Is that the?" Here's the differentiation we're making. Basically, at the end of the day, you really need to know what you're doing. And I find it interesting going off what Kyle said that at the end of the day, the really, really good white hats and the really, really good black hats, they're almost the same in that they know exactly how the algorithm is working. And they're just like, they just choose to like, it's, it's kind of like, they're kind of like Luke Skywalker. They can be both the dark side and the light side. And they can choose which one they want to do depending on the scenario. Maybe that's a terrible analogy. Or maybe it's the best analogy you've ever heard <laughs> in your entire life. Okay. At the end of the day, probably at the end of the day, the only difference is economies of scale. The white yes. hat just might be doing it as one-offs, and the black hat is doing it in, in, in larger quantities. And, and the niche, the niche you want to compete in, right? Some niches lend themselves more to black hat, and some niches lend themselves more to white hat. Um, and and your risk of your risk aversion. So the reason why I mostly happen to be white hat is just because every single client I get, I ask them. Is, is it a problem if your domain ever gets tanked and we have to start a new? And they're like, yes, that's a complete problem. You can never tank this domain. And it's like, okay, well, then I have to do everything completely utterly white hat. <laughs> you know? And so and just, just from having these, these ethics things I was talking about, there's the cat. Um, I, I got to warn them when there's any risk that I'm, I'm doing something. You know, it's, like, it's like a plastic surgeon who doesn't warn you about any risks of getting some plastic surgery. You know, oh, it'll be fine. No one ever dies from anesthetic. Um, okay. Moving on now to the uh, final segment, I think for today is going to be what would Google do? It's a segment where we talk about we talk about in 2017 moving to 2018. Do you think there's going to be any big changes? Kyle just left. <laughs> Kyle just ran away. <laughs> Kyle has had enough of this d d d talking about what Google will do. <laughs> he's he's terrified. He didn't want to answer that question. <laughs> so. So Chase, I'll ask you, <laughs> what do you think are going to be the, the biggest things that Google are going to do moving forward? 
do you think that uh, I, I noticed you talked about AMP there? Do you think that they're going to be moving AMP from news sites to? Oh, Kyle's back. I don't know why I'm having so many problems. <laughs> it's because Google doesn't want you to talk with us <laughs> and tell us your SEO knowledge. I was just in the process of asking you, uh, what do you think are going to be the biggest changes in 2017 moving to 2018, if any, or do you think it's going to be same old, same old? Um, good question. I uh, I'm not sold on AMP um, as much. Where I think AMP might be valuable is in news-generated sites or sites that are trying to get into Google News as a, as a focus. That that's where I can see AMP as a as a push. I'm nodding but my it, head, and Chase is shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of like um, organic results, I'm not sure that's a huge issue right now. The biggest thing is the mobile-first index and how that's going to impact the whole thing. I really can't believe that Google is doing it just for the fun of it. You know, I think <laughs> yeah. when, when they've run their, you know, they've obviously run comparison algorithms. They're like, okay, this is what it looks like currently, and this is what it looks like if we do the mobile first index, and they clearly like those results better. Yeah. Let's, let's get a poll from the audience. If you guys believe that AMP's going to become really important, and, it's, and if it is already really important, press 1. And if you don't think so, press two. Also, if you haven't hit the like button, it'll help us reach more people, so make sure you press that button. <laughs> yes, so if you think AMP is important, press one. If you think AMP if is can, unimportant, press if two. I can if I can sway the votes on that, um, I think AMP's going to run into problems in every other market but, say, the United States in terms of copyright issues. And I think that's what's going to kill it. They won't be able to mass export it because the European Union will just shut it down. <laughs> yes. Um, There's this little thing called the EU, and they don't like Google in their American ways so much. Because <laughs> when you're doing an AMP page, you're actually giving Google your content, essentially. Yes, and, yes you are. And they don't, they're not going to be cool with that. And no. so if, if, it'll, if it'll be um, anything, it'll be uh, limited just to maybe the United States and Canada, perhaps, or maybe other places that don't have those copyright laws. But anyway, yeah. on the, where I think the, the, where we need to be concerned is the mobile first index and what my thought is, and this is just me thinking about it, is that they like those results because they're not as SEO'd. There must be something in the way that they're generating the mobile-first index where they're filtering out a lot of noise in terms of what the results that they're getting. That, that in my mind, can be the only reason to do it. That the results that they're seeing they think are pure results or cleaner results haven't been spammed as much, and for something within that mobile index is allowing that to happen. Uh, well, that's, my, that's my gut feeling on it. They're already giving out penalties to people who have mobile sites that have like the little interstitials that pop up. So right, you can and that isn't that isn't that isn't for any kind of user experience. That's probably because those things are blocking the crawl. Would be my guess. You know, that's a first step to make sure that they can get complete well, access of, of your mobile version. I would of your say. Site. I would say it also probably makes huge bounce rates on the sites too for mobile because you usually can't press that little X button on mobile. It's a lot harder with a lot of the pop-ups. True. Exactly. And, so and of course, you, you know Google wants to have their users not leave the search results once they get to them because that's pretty much, you know, Google trying to take credibility for other people's sites with their search engine. Have you seen the uh, the amount that they allow on that? It's like maybe 20% of the screen, give or take. Uh, oh, it's, on it's, mobile? I don't think a, they, you're saying yeah, they, like... The picture that they, they put do. out, the picture that they put out on what they thought, it, what they feel is acceptable is a ridiculously small... <laughs> 
Oh, they actually do allow some interstitials as long as they're within certain guidelines. I didn't know that. That's right. It's, it's about twenty percent of the thing, and they want it like at the very top or at the very bottom, so it's not interfering with what's in the middle of the, of the uh, screen. Interesting. Yeah, they they allow religious interstitials. They allow age verification interstitials. Uh, they have a small set of interstitials that they will allow, a small kind of parameters. Um, but yeah, anything that's going to uh, be a detriment to the user experience is, is quite often something that Google is going to going to try and penalize either directly or indirectly. Josh, I got one. SSL becoming SSL. very very important. Google is really starting to crack down on SSL. It's already a ranking factor. Well, no, yeah. not just a ranking factor, but it's actually going to be a warning signal. It's already starting to show up on their Chrome browser. True. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it really is kind of what Google's been saying. They've been saying you have to tend to your your mobile site. They've been saying you really should consider going uh, 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 with secure uh, with with TLS with uh, a secured uh, encrypted site. And uh, they've been saying that uh, you know you should go AMP. You should definitely go AMP. Um, I don't know if AMP is going to be a big ranking factor. Paul Bakaus, the guy who um, uh, at Google who, who works on AMP definitely talks about it like it's going to be a ranking factor, and so you can get a bit of a hint of what, what his opinion is. But of course, he doesn't run Google, so so you can you never really be sure. I'm I'm most concerned about the mobile first index, and if it's going to be as uh, big as I think it is, or if it's going to be as inf uh, it's going to work anywhere near the way John Mueller says it's going to work, I think it's going to be a be a, be a pretty big deal, and uh, it's going to be something that we need to watch out for. So, folks, uh, moving right along, uh, the last segment we're going to have today is the random fact segment. And this is random facts about our lives that have nothing to do with SEO. And uh, does anyone, um, everyone can share one little random fact about themselves. It could be anything at all. Um, I put in the chat there that uh, Ice-T actually saved my life once when we're talking about the OG, the, mm -hmm. the open graph. This is true. Ice-T, Ice the rapper, actually saved my life once. And I'll quickly, very quickly tell the story. It was the only time I've been stabbed. I've been attacked with knives three times, and that's the only time that I was actually stabbed by a knife. And uh, uh, if it wasn't on a, 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 an intimate part of my body, I'd show you the scar. But uh, So I was at an iced tea. I was 17 years old. I was at an iced tea conference, uh, concert in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and it was a rush seating. We're all waiting for iced tea to come on stage. And uh, I smelt this pungent smell I'd never smelt before. And, of course, it was, uh, it was this pot ring. And I turn around behind me, and there's these these three really huge Rastafarian black guys with the huge dreads, and like like literally like big like Arnold Schwarzenegger, just black with dreads. And uh, they didn't look too nice. They had a ring of like we're all shoulder to shoulder, but there's a ten foot space around these guys. So I'm like, okay, what, what's the deal? And when I was when I was 16 or 17, by the way, I was 90 pounds soaking wet. Just just remember that I was this tiny skinny little kid, skinny like Chase, maybe not as good looking as Chase, but but skinny like Chase, <laughs> like Tiny Rick there. That's what his shirt says. Anyway. <laughs> and so long story short, um, this, this gentleman um, had some choice words for uh, a young white fellow at, at what he considered to be a quote-unquote black concert, except those are not the words he used. I won't repeat the words he used. And so I did the worst thing you can do when you're, when, when you're faced with a violent uh, uh, aggressor. I didn't know what to do at that point. I'd only been taking martial arts like literally five classes. And so I turned around and gave him my back. Next thing I know, I feel this jabbing sensation, this pain in my, in my lower back right off my hip just like about an inch from the spine. And I thought he gave me one of these, like with his knuckles. He kind of hit me with his knuckle. And I turn around and I look, and he has this silver thing in his hand covered with red stuff. And part of my brain said, that's a knife. Wait a minute. That's blood on the knife. 
wait a minute, that's your blood on the knife. <laughs> oh. <It's me. laughs> that's what that's part of my brain is thinking this, but of course uh, my visual cortex was too full of adrenaline. I couldn't make out what I was actually looking at, but part of my brain re realized this. So I fled, I turned around and I plowed through the crowd. I almost got in about eight other fights on the way. And so long story short, I, I was at the fence right before the stage and there was security behind this fence and I was going to jump over. And just as he was coming through the crowd to, to, to I guess, kill me or, or stab me a couple more times, Ice-T finally came on stage at that moment, and, and he said, everybody make some fucking noise, and everybody just jumped up and started going crazy. He started getting hit in the face by all these shoulders and arms as he's trying to come get me, and then so I just stood there watching him for a while with a stage behind me, and it just, I was just looking him dead in the face, like 17-year-old, you know, you know, big set of balls on me. I'm just like, whatever, you're going to kill me. Fuck you, and so then he, he just he gives up. He's like, whatever, this crowd is crazy. He turned around and gave up, and he left, so that's how the story of Ice-T saved my life. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Anybody else have? <laughs> did any rappers save your guys' lives? I will also accept country singers and jazz artists. No, no, never. <laughs> All right. No. Well, in that case, we'll end. This is always supposed to be a random fact segment from everyone in the hangout. But every time I've done this, I'm the only person who's given a random fact. No, that's not true. Last week, Chase, you did tell us that you played guitar. Yes. Okay. Well, next All week, right. Chase is going to play us a song at the end of the of the podcast. I got another one. No, we're going to duet. Uh, so I actually used to uh, be really into dancing, and I used to uh, take a boombox downtown where I'm at in the <laughs> city of Santa Barbara, and I would put it in front of a, a, a restaurant, and I would just start dancing for random people on the street. <laughs> did you, you, like, did, did you put a hat down? I didn't, but people started trying to give me money, and then I felt really uncomfortable because I was like, this this makes me feel odd because I was just doing it for fun, but then people were actually standing there watching me and, and trying to give me money, and I'm like, this is weird. Awesome. <laughs> so you, you didn't want the money. You are just doing it for fun. I was just doing it for fun, but people thought it was like this side gig I had, So and that's when that started to happen. I was like, okay, I got to get out of here. I'm sorry, Kyle. You said something in between there. What was that? No, I just said it was awesome. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, uh, Kyle, you want to share a quick little tidbit about yourself? Uh, I can read and write Korean, but I can't really speak it. Wow. Well, well there you Korean go. Korean doesn't use pictures such as um, as Mandarin does or, or Japanese does. They have a phonetic alphabet, and right. um, you can you can learn to read the and write the alphabet in maybe a week. It's easy to do. Surprisingly easy. The letters are consistent. Yeah, the letters, If you once you learn the letter and the sound, it's consistent. There are only a handful of exceptions, and they're really few and far between. So once you learn the sound, you know it, and then you can start p putting it together. And they, they read left to right, top to bottom, so there aren't any troubles there either. Was this for SEO, so that you could start doing SEO for Korean sites? No, I actually moved to Korea, and I lived there for five years in a whole wow. other time of my life. But um, South Korea, I hope? Yes, South Korea. Good, <laughs> good. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting. Like once you get there and you sit down with a with a book, you can learn to read and write quickly, which is important because uh, Korean restaurants. The name of the restaurant is usually the meat or the main course that is served. So, like if um you you're looking at a place, you can see like that one says squid meat, and that one says chicken meat, and that ah. one says you know vegetables. So then you can make. A, so that way you can start avoiding the squid meat uh, place and go for the chicken or the vegetables. Or for the dog meat, right? That's called boshing tong, and you might want to avoid it. <laughs> Chase said you, 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 there was no dog meat, right? <laughs> and yeah. then 
then Kyle gave his answer. So I'll let you refine <laughs> that if you want to get the answer, if you're just hungry yeah. for, you know, various meat stuffs. It generally uh, so comes. Anyway. It comes in a generally comes in a soup form. Oh, <laughs> dog soup! <laughs> yeah. Oh no! <laughs> okay, well, I'm quickly ending this podcast. This is I'm, I'm on a, a little bit of a somber note. <laughs> I'm gonna end this, the podcast. I'll, I'll leave the other stories as to when I was attacked with a knife. The other two stories for another day. Uh, and if you want dog soup, then Kyle, just rewind that, and, and you'll know what it's called <laughs> in, in Korean. <laughs> So thanks very much. My name is Josh Bashinsky. This has been White Hat versus Black Hat SEO Show. Tune in next week when our guest is Eric Lantries, who is a fellow Canadian SEO such as myself, and he's a really smart and cool guy. And so tune in next week for that. And he's going to be talking about uh, – uh, he's actually doing some kind of promotion, which is actually pretty exciting. So uh, tune in for that. He's also going to join in the debate with us. So uh, with that, uh, I bid you all adieu, and I'll, I'll leave it to Chase and to Kyle to say their goodbyes. Goodbye. Uh, but thanks so much. I appreciate you being, having me on. Uh, it was our pleasure, Kyle. Thank you for coming on. We'd love to hear about your SEO experiments, and uh, any future experiments you want to share with us would be perfectly great. Awesome. I'll be back. Fantastic. So with that, I'll uh, leave you folks, and uh, as I typically say, good luck in the SERPs. All right. <laughs>